0: This is Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization engaging the public on critical quality of life issues so we make informed choices for our community's future. Visit us on the web at seaviltomorrow.org. On November 7, 2017, voters in the City of Charlottesville go to the polls to elect their representatives to two seats. On the Charlottesville City Council. This recording is Julie Zink's October 6th, 2017 interview with independent candidate Nakia Walker. Other candidates in this race include independent John Edward Hall, Democrat Heather Hill, independent Kenneth Wayne Jackson, Democrat Amy Lawfer, and independent candidate Paul Long.
1: Ms. Walker, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville Tomorrow. The complete audio recording and written transcript for this interview will be available online. Information from this interview will be used in the compilation of the nonpartisan voter guide being produced by Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow does not endorse any candidates and our goal is to provide information to the public so they can make an informed vote on issues primarily related to land use, transportation, public education, and community design. As you are aware, the first two questions you will be asked have been provided in advance. For the others, you have been provided only the topic in advance. All City Council candidates will be asked the same questions. We ask that you keep these questions confidential until all candidates have been interviewed. Each candidate will be provided an opportunity to review the excerpt selected for the Voter Guide before its publication. Are you ready to start? Yes. Question 1. Please describe your past experience that qualifies you to be on Charlottesville City Council.
2: Yeah, so my I think the the civic engagement that I participate in um, almost every day is the main thing that um, qualifies me. I'm an engaged citizen. I participate regularly um, in hopefully creating a better democracy locally, and um, because of that involvement, I'm aware of a lot of issues and situations and how the government is run that maybe, um, you know, that other people may not be. And hopefully, you know, more engagement with uh higher, you know, number of people will occur because that's like where true change happens. So hopefully more people, you know, will get involved. But yes, this civic engagement and how I participate and, um my activism would be... Um, I think qualifies me best mm-hmm.
1: what is your top priority for action by the city council if you are elected
2: um, transparency uh, bringing transparency to our um, budget process how nonprofits and other agencies receive money um, from the city government, and just making sure that citizens are more involved and um, how that process works, the pr- participatory budgeting process which i haven't had a ton of time to look at, but I definitely like the um, idea of um, citizens in neighborhoods being able to um, decide and determine where the funding goes. But we need a lot more transparency in the city and um, hopefully through that transparency increased involvement and um, so third party independent agency rating nonprofits is my first priority. To make sure that they are, um, you know, outcome-rich, not top-heavy, and um, you know that they are producing um, according to their mission statement. And if not, they um, shouldn't continually receive funding.
1: Question three: Name both a revenue item and an expense item in the city budget that you are concerned about, and tell us why. <sighs>
2: well, I think I'm concerned overall. I think the last budget was around $162 hundred and almost sixty two million dollars um, so mainly in terms of the a b r t process within the city I'm concerned about how um, agency receives funds, whether those funds are truly um you know serving the community best and if we can do better um, with taxpayers' money. I also think that the city could do a better job at um maintenance um so preventative maintenance versus um being reactionary even in in that area in terms of buildings um so the capital improvement fund interested in um how to maybe make a higher initial investment into that so that we are not um spending more on the opposite end in terms of um you know fixing some of the um older spaces Um, that we have, and making sure that when we create new projects, um, you know, that we're doing that more efficiently as well. So I think I answered.
1: (laughs) Question four. If elected, what will you do to help our community move forward in the aftermath of this past summer's violent demonstrations, and how will you seek to best represent and effectively serve our economically and racially diverse communities? Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Well, this area I already, you know, do really well. I mean, compared to most people, um, you know, who are just starting out, I probably have what would be considered a Ph.D. in um, this area. But I think the main thing that I have been doing my entire life is... um, making sure that we have the challenging conversations whether people were ready to have the challenging conversations or not and that people are not usually ready individuals especially leaders in the community um, you know people function off of um, I'm doing my best I have um, you know the best intentions and while um, that may have worked in some time and space it's just not ideal when you're talking about dealing with the effects of um, you know, four centuries of oppression and um, laws that followed that limited the ability of um, black people to um, move forward, you know, in the world. And so because of that, there's very little economic um, diversity in the city, no matter who you are. um, Because again, if you implement laws and policies For one group of people at some point it will trickle down to a lot of group of people so overall as a country we're suffering um and uh, during the book festival around that time this year we had a lot of authors in town talking about one in particular the great divide of our country overall so i mean we have a lot of work to do but i think the main thing is that individuals have to be ready to be challenged way past their comfort zone. And when it gets to that place where they are most uncomfortable, they probably um, need to be okay with knowing that it's they'll survive and it'll be, you know, a little bit more comfortable. But if individuals are not honest with their self about actually what they think about race, about um, especially black people, if you, um, I just read a poll that UVA, um, that was conducted through UVA and. Um, uh, collaboration with some other um, school I forgot um, which one that was but anyway they were talking about so even while most people didn't agree with neo-nazi like the terms their ideals um, they were not on the same page when it came to race relation and what that looks like um, moving forward and that's really telling and on one hand, I believe we na- we um, give a label, neo-Nazis, because that helps some white people um, not identify with the group who's causing the most problems. But if you look at uh, Jason Kessler, Richard Spencer um, background, just those two guys in particular, you're talking about UVA um, trained men, white men, um, living or in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, at some point in their world, and if you looked at both of these men from a distance without them opening their mouths um, and telling you what their thoughts and ideologies were, they just look like any other um, white man. And so, we really have to come to terms with um, really calling out what, um, colonialism and oppression and who primarily has been in charge in charge of it and you're talking about primarily white males and what that looks like overall and we have a very difficult time um you know acknowledging that so in that poll it said that white um respondents to the poll felt like they were under attack which is a black woman reading that and knowing the legacy of slavery to modern day, um, enslavement and what that looks like. That was, you know, I, I know it to be true. I know people feel like that, but I still can't really get a grasp on how, um, when you are the group in the country with the most power and ability to dictate, um, the outcome of your life. So we have a lot of work to do,
1: a lot of work to do. Question number five. City, county, and UVA officials meet regularly to discuss issues of mutual interest as part of the Planning and Coordination Council or PACC. What is one specific area of cooperation involving the university that you would like to see addressed?
2: Mm, Just one, Um, I would probably go with pay of employees who are not benefited Um, employees working in housekeeping, dining halls, um, traditional spaces where you um, see a um, lot of economic inequality and um, this university has been um, slow very slow um, you know to move on you know paying a living wage to um, all of their employees, and we're talking about the need for health care benefits, time off. Um, I know that there are some instances where people are still um, employed over, you know, the summer, but in terms of the ability to be able to um, kind of stair-step up to higher positions and um, that it's not really there, and I don't see a big... um, you know, movement, and this is across the country, but I think UVA can do better, and it's a world-class city that also professes itself to be that we could do better overall in figuring out the, um, you know, education gap of its employees, trying to provide incentives for people to continue their education at one of the top um, universities in the country, and kind of giving employees an incentive um, to do that to help them Um, move forward which would in my opinion be something that would be a right of theirs. since since when you're talking about the majority of the people who probably work in those positions if um, some kind of legacy tree (laughs) was done it will probably have been their um, ancestors so they are descendants of the very people who I'm sure built the university so that's an area that we can definitely improve um, Improvement and housing, housing for UVA students, and um, building only housing for UVA students when there's such a dire housing need, and trying to figure out um, that mix and how the ratios could be improved, and making sure that um, you know they're not building on space just because they can afford to, because of course they have the ability through finances to do that, but um, um, that is more equitable and UVA is going to definitely have to be a part of the housing crisis conversation.
1: Question number six. While there are many areas of city-county cooperation, such as water and sewer services, schools, the airport, and the regional jail, there is currently tension over issues that range from bikes at the Ragged Mountain Natural Area subject of a lawsuit to the future location of Alvin Marle's court facilities. What do you attribute this tension to and what will you do to promote mutually beneficial relations? So without being
2: um, in the rooms and having all the information which I'm really interested in um, learning the different personalities and all the um, you know players and what you know kind of goes on behind the scenes that is now captured by the media um, I think The main thing that I've seen with the um, Ragged Mountain, um, whether people could bike or um, even in town with the parking garage issue, which is a local and local business owner, but a lot of ego, a lot of ego is in the room, which is um, typical of how things are, um, are decided here. But I think in terms of our current counsel, there's one counselor in particular who ego has been um, you know, out of control. And I'm sure that in these conversations he's dictated a lot of the um, you know, of the outcomes and other counselors have probably set aside um and allowed him to be the uh, most intellectual that he's claimed to be and um determine the outcome for a lot of these cases. So I think For me, personally, being in the room, I would not just allow that if that's the case. And again, I don't know that for sure at this point because I haven't been in the room. But um, I typically listen to all points of view um, and make decisions from there. And I learn people well. And if there is a way to get people to calm down and listen, and understand that I'm truly hearing them then I can usually do that too and not saying that I would have been able to prevent a lawsuit but I definitely um would have been able to um talk to our Charlesboro counselors and allow the um you know let the board of visitor supervisors know that they were being respected and that they're um that they were being heard And I can't say outside of that without knowing everything, you know, piece of the equation, what would have happened after that.
1: Question number seven. What would you like to see changed about the way city council and the city manager do business, both at its meetings and outside the public eye?
2: Uh, Well, first of all, I would like for them to um, work from a place of um, integrity. And um, and if they do that, whether public is watching, media is present, things um, would be a lot different anyway, but I think it's unfair to place all the blame of um, the completely chaotic situation that we have going on right now because the council... And the city manager and Charlottesville as a whole operates in this pretty chaotic space and so it's allowed Um, there are people with a lot of resources a lot of money who dictate a lot of what happens in this town and usually from what I've watched I'm seeing counselors and the city manager kind of follow suit to people who've neither been neglected or employed by people who've been elected so I think that we need to bring a level of ethical behavior to our government that's um, that hasn't been present, um, and the understanding to the city that the way we've done business in the past um, and the way we've treated one another in the past won't be tolerated in the future. And I think that can only happen once there is, um, you know, a level of trust established and that things start being handled differently. Um, because if you walk through the departments, if you talk to people who work in various departments within the city, you see this kind of chaotic management level at, I've seen it everywhere. It's very frustrating. I work at Parks and Recs now. <laughs> and I thought when I started working there, after the very heavy like social work type of work I was doing in the nonprofit realm before, You go to Parks and Rec, you think, hey, we are only charged with the task of making sure people have fun experiences um, and enjoy their life, and then you get in there and you have um, the same unethical behavior, um, poor treatment of employees, um, you see pay discrepancies based on gender um which is also a city management issue but you have managers at that level who are definitely okay with it and um you see bully I mean like the bu- just the bullying behavior um even within a place where you are charged with the task to make sure families have um relaxing experiences and um you know just, it's supposed to be fun. And it's nothing um, (laughs) fun about even that experience. So again, it's one of the um, areas that, no matter whether you are talking about criminal justice or parks and rec, there are major issues. And I think that happens when there is a um, cultural, there are just major cultural issues and dysfunction within the base, at the core, of things and it just trickles, um, you know, down, spreads out to everyone.
1: Question number eight. What is your top transportation priority and how will it be funded? So
2: I don't have a top transportation priority. I'm interested in figuring out how the bus system can work more efficiently, but it's not something that I've had a ton of time to um, invest in. you know, figuring out. I've had personal issues with trying to use public transportation. Um, I've had family members have issues (laughs) trying to use um, the public transportation system, and I've had um, citizens um, discuss at length issues with figuring out, you know, CAT and um, how it, you know, functions um, better. And so I'm definitely, I used to live in the downtown area. I used to try to, um, a year I didn't have a car, try to catch the trolley up Main Street to get my son to Venable. And it was just easier for us to walk. And that's not an easy walk from Belmont area to Venable Elementary School. But we did that for an entire year. And it took more time attempting to catch a trolley that was always late versus to, you know, to just walk. So I think that's one of the best things that we can do. I've heard um, people talk about routes where they think need to be added, the bus, um, you know, running later. And um, and I think that's all things that we could, um, you know, do a better job at, and the regional partnership with the, um, not only just the county, but with UDA too. Um, you know, especially those three players. So that's something that um, I'm interested in hearing more about. It wouldn't be, this is one of those projects where I wouldn't necessarily be the one to spearhead it, but if enough people were talking about how it was um, affecting their quality of life and their ability um, for economic stability and those sort of things that I would push you know up up on my list but yeah it's definitely something that um, I'm aware is a major issue and I've experienced personally
1: question nine what specifically should city council do to promote employment and what types of jobs will be your priority
2: well I think before we can even talk about employment we have to talk about education equity (laughs) because we can talk all day about the ability to increase job you know um, but if people don't have the skills for those jobs if they don't have um the ability to um learn on the job for whatever reason then um the you know the job is kind of like you know it's it's up on the ladder of things that you you know you start with um what i don't think that um based on your you know economic position that the only job that you should currently in life or that you only, you know, graduated from city schools and didn't go any further, that your only lot in life is to be a housekeeper at UVA or working at the air cafeteria, you know, there's a way um, that people get out of that and even if people stay within that, we have to figure out how to make sure they're paid a wage that they can take care of their family um, and not just survival mode. And that they are paid health insurance, and that they, you know, that they can really their basic more than their basic needs are met. Um, so, in terms of seeing, you know, a lot of the, you know, tech industry. I remember reading a couple of years ago about Charlottesville being, being high on the venture capitalist. So that means there are innovative people here creating, and there are people with the resources to fund them. So there's, um, and there are people with so many skills, they just don't have the resources or the skills to, you know, create a business plan. And even a few years ago with um, seeing how um, the CIC program worked, it's it wasn't true from what I remember at that point. <laughs> um, wasn't true like entrepreneur, I remember the um, being told that, hey, I get the um, contracts for the jobs. I tell the entrepreneurs who participate in the program. In this um, particular instance, he was talking about a painter. I tell him the jobs to to go to. They pay me. I give him. No. A business owner, they get their money first. And if you have participated in any way, then they pay you. But you don't handle their finances. Um, you are... Maybe you're referring them out because they did a great job for you, but referrals are not coming only to you because you're more trustworthy than they are, which is just kind of the tone, you know, was the tone of this conversation. So I think in terms of the school system, we have to create, um, one, the traditional um, education structure, structure within the city school system has to be more equitable. There are not a lot of kids um, coming through Charlottesville City Schools who are from, um, who are black children, Hispanic kids, or poor white kids who are making it to these um, top universities like UVA, Duke, Brown, Georgetown, you know, whatever. Um, and then they're not very successful starting out their college career, so most of them are not finishing, and then they're not staying in Piedmont. So before I think we talk about um Jobs, we need to figure out a better way to get people skills. And I know you don't have to go the traditional education route to have the skills, but at some point along your path, you have to learn the skills. Um, And whatever those skills, you know, might be, and I, you know, say if a plumber comes to my house, I pay him a significant amount of money for just a little, a few hours of work. Now, it's not work I want to do, but he gets paid very well and he's okay, you know, with doing that work. Um, electrician, you know, he, she has been okay with it's not what I do, but I think if people want to, um, you know, that we can create technical programs that give people the actual skills where they can leave our um, public education, local, public school system and are ready to be employed. The developers in town, they can do apprentice-style programs, so part of them building in Charlottesville, they can train people, and we know people learn by doing, so it's not, um, <laughs> you know, it's not like this, like, out-of-the-box thinking. So people can, you know, individuals can be trained, um, whether they have college degrees or not, and, um You know, do very well in life in terms of financial stability. If we just get some of these, um, you know, rules that um, we put in place, you know, out of out of the way. So, and then after that, I mean, you know, of course, you open up, um, you know, close to unlimited possibilities to what people can do in terms of job wise. And then we just need to be ready to help guide them and be supportive of them um, when they tell us what um you know what is next steps for them
1: can you say what cic stands for
2: um is charlottesville what is it <laughs> charlottesville I, I i'm drawing a blank yeah, i can look So <laughs> a complete blank oh my goodness now this is when i get stuck cuz this is going to drive me crazy um we can follow up on that yeah <laughs> So, oh my goodness.
1: Like, Don't worry about it. We can follow up on it. Okay. Just, just for when it goes into print so we can have it spelled out.
2: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Okay. Now I want to Google. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead if you want to. Yes, because that's driving me a little. Um, <laughs> community investment collaborative like oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> I <I've>
1: never guess
2: <laughs> uh, and I've looked at this thing for years over time it's just like just all blank
1: okay. question number 10 do you support the redevelopment of Charlottesville's public housing sites and friendship court to create vibrant mixed income and mixed-use neighborhoods without displacement of existing residents why or why not
2: so I don't um I don't believe that the way that the current um leaders who've been at the table could come up with master plans that would not displace um current residents. So I've been in the room I I haven't been convinced that they are they have the current families needs as primary And what I have been in the room, while I have been in the rooms and what I have been convinced of is that we are, have a land shortage in Charlottesville. There's these public spaces that are land rich, resource poor, and they come in, the developers and leaders of Charlottesville, they see prime real estate and they want to develop on them. And even if, you know, at, for instance, Friendship Court um, current plan, um, it's nothing about that plan that says um, that it would be vibrant. You're talking about putting 600 units where there are currently 150 spaces, including, a and that 150 includes the community center, and um, expanding that to 600, primarily market-rate homes, for single individuals, so efficiency style, one-bedroom, apartments, when you have a current setting that's um, more family-oriented. And we have all these neighborhoods. I asked one of the city councilors before, was she as interested in diversifying her neighborhood, which is Park Street, as she was um, seemed to be interested in um, diversifying Friendship Court, and the answer is no. because you can't diversify Park Street unless people have the means. So, of course, if you can come and pay for a $400,000 house, you're welcome to move in, but if not, but what you have downtown Charlottesville in terms of Friendship Court, you have primary real real estate that they have um, figured out a way to get a local nonprofit in um, total ownership of um, after National Housing Trust sells um, its stake to PHA. And um yeah, I'm stuck on what is PHA? <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> it's Piedmont housing. Alas <laughs> what I just did that. Do I know what PHA is? <laughs> <laughs> but um so my only my not my only issue, but the main issue when people talk about vibrant mixed income, mixed use neighborhoods is just traditionally it doesn't work. Um they don't have the best interest of the community members at hand. And I ask people all the time, are you interested in living? I had this Burnett Commons place, one of the um, families that moved into that, um, came in and he said everything was going fine, then school started back up and he said that his neighbors were standing across the street um, with their kids in the mornings for the bus. Not on the same side of the street as them. So are we building communities or are we building market-rate homes that we know we can sell and there still will be a lack of um, you know, diversity, people still won't feel um, included in, in the community. And we have major social issues, which was back to question four and, um, in the city of Charlottesville. And when you talk about um, not fixing those social issues, mixing race and um, class, on all levels, because in friendship, you know, when the other issue that we have here is when people think about affordable housing and public housing sites, they think black faces, that's what they see, but if you go to those places, you'll see a very mixed um, group of people. So there are a lot of um, different skin tones from the um, refugee community in, in these places. There are a lot of um, white people who don't have money, and there are Hispanic families, and there are black families. So you have this mix. There are white families who live in these places, Hispanic families, black families. There are people who haven't had the resources to maintain their own spaces without subsidies, and that's the bottom line. But because we do so well in the the trickery of race relations in this country, we paint assistance even the need for affordable housing, and it becomes a black versus white issue. And that's not the the case either. Um, But whether it's race or class, but there's major racial issues in the city of Charlottesville, we don't do well. So if you have these individuals who can afford the equivalent to moving across the street from Friendship Court to the Gleasons, down on Friendship Core property, around families who they don't understand, who don't live like them, who don't raise their kids like they think they should, what's gonna happen? We're gonna have more police involvement, more DSS involvement, the, the uh, Department of Social Services. Um, we're gonna have more of those calls, and right now, um, the Shawlceville Police Department and the Department of Social Services are having some major issues based on um, you know racial and discriminatory um, practices within their departments. So even if we get this right in terms of being able to build and have everybody on board with that, we haven't fixed the social issues, um, the class issues that we have in our city and that's gonna bring up issues. So yes, those sites Not necessarily Friendship Court. They did a rehab on Friendship Court in um, early 2000. Um, So those buildings could, you know, be maintained and people could live in those buildings. I used to live in Friendship Court, so very familiar with uh, um, the buildings. But the public housing sites, definitely. Rehab needs to be done. Whether that rehab should not only happen if they're willing to... um, um, do you have mixed income communities that is something that we need to get the ball um rolling on now because there are families living in those um public housing sites who are dealing with um um mold issues causing major respiratory disorders for children and um and the parents and um you know water quality going through going through those pipes um Increased heating costs based on um, it's just not efficiently um, built. You have people living in concrete spaces. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's um, their walls are made of cinder blocks. Um, And um, it's something that we need to, that needs to be a top priority for everyone in the city, that no one in our world class city should be living like
1: that. Okay. Mikaya Walker, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville Tomorrow. Thank you.